Welcome to episode 48 of the Face of the Future podcast. It's your boy Mills. It's your boy Shan. It's your boy Mesa Moose. What's good? What's good? What's good? You good? You checked out today. You got the checks on, Nike Flex. Yeah. You fit? You got the Christmases on? Oh, no, nah, not even. It's not even what I got for Christmas. Nah, you don't got the Christmases on? Nah, not even. I had to show oh, for a little bit. How, how was your holiday, man? Beautiful. How was yours? It was good. I can't complain. Got to see the whole fam. You feel me? Yep. I wish it kind of. I've been waiting for it to snow. Like it hasn't snowed in a minute. Like on, on Christmas in a while. So. Yeah. Facts. Kind of want to like you know what I'm saying feel like like the young days, the old or like snows on Christmas. Nice little feel, family vibes. Got the, mm-hmm. got the fireplace going. You feel me? Y'all, y'all eat anything good though? Not really. Didn't really eat. I didn't didn't really eat nothing too crazy. Really, kind of just chilled for the most part. How about you, Tove? How was your How was your holiday? No, nah, I was cool and for real. Um, spent time with the fam. Um, spent time with my girl because she's going away to school. Um, tomorrow actually, so we were just cool and spending time together, whatever. So it was all good vibes. That's good. That's good. Everybody had a good holiday. I mean, y'all ready for the new year or what? Y'all ready for twenty twenty one to come around? You, you ready for you ready for twenty twenty to be concluded or what? Yeah, Bro. let's let's get on to the next year now. At this point. Nah, this this year's been too damn long. We're tired of this shit. It has been long. Has been a long year. It's feel like to be honest, it feels like the longest, shortest year though. Like it feels like we've been in here for like a long time. Like we've been stuck in like a time capsule type joint. But the days we going by fast. Yes, F. Yeah. Even December December went by like that. Yeah, no, that's a fact. Honestly, twenty twenty it feels like it's been like two parts. What you mean? Like it feel like it feel like it's just been two separate parts. Like you had like January up until like we closed down, then when we opened up until now, like I just felt like it was two different like parts of the year. Like it felt like 2021, 2022 for a Yeah, I agree because I naively thought that COVID was going to be gone by like the fall time. I thought it was going to be, you know, a wrap for it. But here we are. Now, that's a fact. You know? Know Speaking of that, I revisited like our pod, our episode when COVID like first was like when it was back when we first heard about it, like when we was like, oh, it's in Wuhan, whatever, da da da. We was talking about the Olympics and all that stuff. And we were so naive, bro, and ignorant. Yeah. We were, we're not gonna, first of all, we didn't think it was gonna hit us as harsh as it did. Like we didn't think stuff was gonna get shut down, none of that stuff. And it's crazy yeah. about like every how our mindset was then because everybody's mindset was similar to how ours was like when we first heard about COVID. And then as time went on, we started to realize, bro, we about to be in this joint for a long haul, bro. And yeah, we, like, we are. <laughs> we no totally doubt. Wrong. Like, everybody was totally wrong about expectations of what COVID was going to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and speaking of that, how, how – based on, like, how you guys started, what did you guys think, like, when we first heard about COVID? Like, let's go to the start of, like, 2020. Like, after the new year hit, you know what I'm saying? Everybody thought 2020 was going to be that year. Like, that was, that was the – "Quote unquote census around everybody like new decade mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying shit about the shit about the boom for well at least our generation because you know I'm saying we everybody get into that age where we supposed to start thriving in what we doing you feel me till I guess like till the initial lockdown the first lockdown what was our mindset like when it first started since Toby said like it's two two parts of two 2020 so I didn't yeah. think th- go ahead Toby no I was gonna say like for me like I was like all right cool like it's about to be 2020 you know. I think, like, it's time to, like, start doing things that you needed to do, step up school stuff, all that things. Like, basically, all the plans that you had for yourself, you was just going to really step up and just essentially do it. Because it's, like, we're just at that age now where we just got to, like, just put up or shut up, honestly, and just be honest with yourselves. Like, and I think that when that happened, I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I'm applying to jobs. We're getting interviews. I'm getting callbacks, stuff like that. Next, you know, COVID hit, messed up all the plans for everybody. 
You know what I'm saying? So it was like, at first I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm stepping into what I need to do. I must start making these moves. And then COVID, I was like, yeah, we're going to have to push that back. So and then after, after everything started opening up, like, y'all know, like I got a new job. I started working and things started working better for me. Cause you know, you're not really doing much. And then now it's just like, we hear and it's just like, I don't even know what to expect no more. But I think that's the best thing about it. Cause it's like, I feel like we all have like expectations of how we wanted 2020 to be. And it was just like, now just looking at us, we're just like, we're going in without having expectations of what we are or who we want to be or what we're trying to do. It's just like, we kind of just have to know how to just act on things rather than just react. Cause I think that's one of the biggest things about COVID. Like we just reacted to the fact that people were dying rather than just acting on it. So I don't know. I think it was, it was very, very different. Act, what do you mean by yeah. acting on it as opposed to uh, like reacting or however, whatever you just said? So it's like, when you act on things like now it's like, Say, for example, when the first shutdown happened, right? Okay, cool. Instead of reacting and freaking out and being triggered and not knowing what to do and just being in a state of, like, limbo, you kind of – what I mean by act on it is, like, okay, how do you make the best of, the like, the situation that you're in now? Like, going to, for example, Instagram influencers, people who work through the internet, like, all the shit is shut down. People can't go out to parties. People can't do nothing. So what did DJ start doing? You know, they started doing their little online DJ sessions. You know, they started hosting parties. People, like, started doing Zoom. You know, people started making more content, stuff like that, rather than just saying, oh, my gosh, like, I'm popped. I don't got no bread. I don't know what I need to do, you know? So it's like instead of reacting, using your emotions to, you know, handle the situation, you kind of just sit back and think of, like, what's the best move for you to do, you know? And then going in when things are, things are better, that's how you start to make the best moves and just acting on things rather than just reacting. I got you. What about you, Sam? Yeah, so I mean, like you said, 2020 was definitely the year that everybody was was on a on an up and up, you know, as far as mentally, like you said, with our generation, everybody felt like they was gonna do their Dougie. Just piggyback right. off, off off what Cope said, I mean off what Tope said the same thing. Everybody was focused on getting new jobs, bettering themselves, everything, and then, you know, then Kobe passed in February. That was and crazy. Then, yeah, and then we had the shutdown happen in March, like the first one, which I didn't think it was going to be for that long. And then, you know, here we are. Like I said, I thought it was going to be over by fall time. And back to when we first had first started talking about it, I didn't even think it was going to get to the U.S. at all. I remember, Robert. You know what I mean? I didn't even think it was, it was going to get here. And then to see it come here and then it shut down and then people are losing their jobs, people are losing their homes, people can't pay their bills. And it just dried up through the summer. The Olympics got canceled, which is, like, incredible. You, you had the Breonna Taylor situation. You had the George Floyd situation. You had all these injustices. So it's been a crazy year. So it, it's, it's definitely been – it feels like a lot has happened, but, like, the days have kind of blended together in a way. And I think something that COVID also has done is created even more of a divide amongst people in our country. People think COVID is not real. Uh, wearing a mask is – you're violating my constitutional rights. I don't have to wear a mask. It's not real. People people make it into a political thing, but which I don't understand how you can do that when you can see it's affecting the rest of the world. So how right. can it be something that's, you know that's made funny? up by a political party? You know, you know what what's I mean? funny? I talked to my dad about that yesterday, right? And what were we talking about? Um, we were talking about we were talking about uh, we were talking about politics, and he was explaining to me that like his his argument when he was saying it, because I said those same exact sentiments out. He was like. The problem with it is not necessarily the fact of like telling people to wear a mask and it like you have to wear a mask. But he was saying that like if you give the government the ability to now say, all right, 
wear a mask because it could kill people or you're giving them power to have control over your life and what you can and can't do in this area, it's going to bleed over into other areas. Mind you, I completely disagreed with that because I was like, it doesn't make sense because there's a very big difference between saying, because we were talking about politics, about like Democrats, progressives, like Joe Biden, things of that nation. I was like, it's different. It's a different thing when you're using like, say, for example, the Green New Deal to, you know, mandate all companies to like, you know, start using cleaner admission emissions and start working towards a cleaner environment versus saying, okay, you guys need to wear a mask because we have a certain demographic of people that are dying. And in order for us to not die, in order for us to save our economy, y'all need to relax, you know, because he was saying, if you do this, then they're going to start doing other. I was like, it doesn't make sense because like what millions of people have just died. Like we've had the highest record of hospitalizations for like five days straight. And it's like, there's some certain times you have to like exert that power of like, yo, I don't, I don't care what y'all saying right now. Like y'all need to wear a mask and stay inside. We're not open up no clubs, none of that. This is what you need to do. So, I mean, it's funny because that you were saying that, like my dad was just giving me that perspective just from a standpoint of if you don't want to give government too much power. That's why people are complaining the way that they're complaining. I wholeheartedly disagree, but. I understand yeah. that. But at the same time, the only protection we really have from the virus, so they say, is the masks, really. Exactly. Well, I mean, what, what other protection do we have? We Everybody's not able to get, get, get the vaccine and stuff like that. So I, I hear it, but it's like, what are we supposed to do? That's what I was thinking, too. Like, it's like, because my thing is with the vaccine, you also have to think about the fact that, like, people don't trust the vaccine because it came out hella fast. Mind mm-hmm. you, in my opinion, like, the actual vaccine of what they're doing isn't really bad. Like, it's not like they're putting in some crazy in your, like, they're putting some crazy in your body. But it's more so the fact of, like, it got done extremely fast and we don't know what the results are going to be. You know? So, I mean, oh, it's well, a mRNA. Hmm? What do you, well, you want to say, Mills? Well, people, well, people have... Is skeptical about the process and how fast it went. You have to realize how much money was like allocated to the to the actual findings and the research exactly. and, and the actual clinical trials that go behind it. They got a substantial amount of funding to make that happen. With to and the, the funding allowed the process to be sped up because you exactly. know think about it. I think companies like pharmaceutical companies only get um, a couple mil, not a couple mil, but a, but a but a but a few mil, a few a few million to run clinical trials you feel me they got what upwards to was it like a bill a coastal bill was it yeah over a bill maybe when it came to running the clinical trials for the vaccine so i mean i feel like that plays a, a vital part in the process and how fast it went to get shit done because now when you have more money more resources you can open up more clinical um trial sites across the world to test test these drugs out you're able to get a finished product quicker granted like you said we don't know the side effects of of the actual drug because it came out so fast. You didn't have to, we didn't, they didn't really test the trials to see the long-term effects or whatever it may be. You probably have, you probably have a generalized, generalized idea of what like short-term side effects may be as a result of the uh, COVID vaccine. But yeah, I feel like the only skeptical part about the vaccine should be maybe the long-term effects and, and may, what it may do to you in the future. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think we really, go ahead, Tope. No, nah, I was going to say, yeah, no, nah, you're right about the long-term effects, but from who I was talking to, because I, I asked my cousin, my cousin's in med school. Um, I asked all my cousins, as you know, like I've told y'all, like my whole family's like full of doctors, medical professionals, all that stuff. So we were talking about it and they were just like, it's not like, it's really, they're really not putting anything crazy inside of you. Like they're putting in a dead coronavirus cell. Like it's just, they're dead ass putting in protein inside your body. And the protein that like prevents the, um, that creates 
the, the coronavirus, that's all they're putting in your body. What else they're putting in, essentially, I don't know what the results of that's going to be. But to people who, like, assume that it's some, like, they're putting in, like, crazy shit in, inside of you, it's not really anything crazy. They're really just putting in proteins inside your body that your antibodies can read and essentially kill. So it's not really nothing crazy. The long-term effects of that, I don't know, because I'm not a pharmacist, nor I am a doctor. But it's like, from what they was telling me, it's like, there's nothing crazy that should happen. Like, you're going to, like, end up barking or some shit like that. You're going to end up, like, doing something wild, you know? So it's like, it just really ultimately depends. Like, just like the way the coronavirus is very, very different for many different people, I think that, like, the vaccine is going to be different for many, many different people over the long term. And I'll say, like, to piggyback off what Mill said, as far as like the, like the money being allocated towards research and stuff, you also have the smartest people in the world working on a vaccine. So I think that is an, an added plus. But and, and I also don't think that there was enough time. There, there is no time to essentially find out what the long term effects will be because of how severe the virus is. I mean, exactly. ICUs don't have any more space to put people. Hospitals are full of all COVID patients and everything else as far as your other surgeries and other uh, medical procedures and such things are now pushed to the side because hospitals are really focused on COVID. I even saw a story about how they say, like, you know how they have those, those like, uh, urgent care facilities that you can go to? They're closing those down to send all their people to the hospitals to help out with COVID. That's wild. You wild. know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's just it's crazy. So I don't think there was enough – there's not enough time to see the long-term effects, like, to, to have a usual – five to ten year trial period we don't have the time for that we just don't have the time all this um because they said there was a new strand of COVID found in the uk um do you think that the new strand will cause them to have to put out a new vaccine or create a new vaccine no no you don't think so i don't i think maybe i mean i mean who knows because i mean things mutate and things change i mean uh, just yesterday, Japan shut down this border yesterday as well because of the new uh, the new strand of the COVID virus. So, I mean, we really don't know how how it's going to play out in the, in the, uh, in the next couple of years. Who knows how long we're going to be in this situation for? I, I don't I don't think so um, because so how do I how do I explain this? So, from what I was reading too as well, like the whole concept of like SARS. Everything kind of falls, like the common cold apparently falls under SARS, the flu, um, and some other, and just some other sicknesses all fall under SARS. And COVID is a part of that SARS, like a part of that SARS medical family. So it was like, looking at that, it was like when they were explaining it to me, it's like, they all have similar, they all have similar traits. That's why it's like with COVID, they're saying like, you don't know if you're going to have the flu or it's actually COVID because there's some things that are very similar. So it was like, based off of that, and they're explaining that you need, um, you had like the M going back to the mRNA vaccine and going back to the mRNA vaccine. It's basically the same exact, how do I say this? My girl going to watch this and be like, this nigga messing up all my shit wrong. But like, <laughs> it's like, it's like you're, you're, you're looking at it and it's basically the same exact DNA as a lot of the other people in the family. So when your antibodies go like and fight it, it's they're fighting the proteins of say like the common cold, the flu, and things of that nature. So that's how when they go and fight, that's, that's how when your body releases it, it's not like it's fighting COVID. It would be like you're fighting the cold rather than you're fighting full on COVID, if that makes sense. So it's like based on like finding new strands, it's all still under the same like sickness family. So I don't think that they're really going to be in a situation where 
it's going to like make people change the vaccine unless they're trying to find a vaccine that just completely eradicates it with one back, like with one well, vaccine. I don't, I don't necessarily mean change the vaccine as a whole. I mean, mm -hmm. more so like alter the things that they put in it. I know you said they put stuff that they're, that they're saying they put certain things in that to fight the similar strains and stuff like that. But as Shannon said, what if, what if this new strand mutates and changes and like mutates is something we haven't seen. You feel me? That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. But based off of that, like based off of it, most, most sickness, most sicknesses under that family are all going to have similar like DNA or RNA, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like based off of that, even though it may mutate, it's still essentially going to be very much similar to say SARS one and SARS two. So that's really the thing. It's like, when you're sending in an m like when you're sending in an mrna it's basically it's basically protein of a particular foreign disease so when your antibodies go and attack it like i said it's not actually covid it's like it's like the code of covid like i don't know how to explain it better I know, but it's just like, I, what yeah. I know what you're trying to say yeah so i don't i don't think it's going to be a serious situation where they're going to have to end up changing everything drastically because it's like they're just sending in foreign proteins and your antibodies are just going to fight it all right, let me ask y'all this since we're on the COVID topic. Um, what do y'all think about, you know how there is certain senators, there's certain public uh, officials that called the COVID the hoax, called it this, called it that, didn't believe in it, said we don't need to really take too much precautions, whatever, maybe we're staying open, whatever it may be. And now you see they're the first ones in line to get the vaccine as opposed to people that may actually need it. How do you guys feel about certain politicians that were such against, so against COVID and the reality of the situation being the first ones to take it? That's why you don't trust no politicians ever. That's why people have trouble <laughs> trouble listening to politicians now. I mean, how you just gonna eat your fucking words like that? You know what I'm saying? And and it, it just shows how full of shit people really are. I mean, to even doubt the disease, even even from the very beginning, when it when it came here, it came strong and it was killing people. But I think I remember like some of the videos that we were seeing when COVID first hit of just like hospitals full of just bodies in, in the hallway. People yeah. just die. How can how can you even dumb it down and not say that we should be taking any precautions? It's just is it just doesn't make any sense. You know, to, what add, I mean? to add on to that, Shannon, right? I have another friend who's in medical school. Um and he um he had to go and do something for for his board. So he went to school. Um and when he was there, um he, he goes to school in, in, in New Jersey. He had saw like some some construction being being done and it looked weird because it wasn't like a regular construction area they just were building up a pit and so he went over there because he was curious like yo like what are you guys doing and the police were like yeah like nah we can't tell you this that and the third like there's a bunch of different stuff like we can't let you know you have to leave the premises immediately like being very very like leave come to find out like they were building a morgue just mm -hmm. to dump all the bodies mm -hmm. and this is somewhere up in jersey and i'm just like damn like and so going to your question it's like this goes into my theory, which I think I wouldn't say it's like a spicy take, but like I think that with politicians being essentially public servants, I don't think they should be the first ones to get a vaccine because it doesn't make sense that like, yeah, you want to use that to essentially create trust for individuals. But yeah. for me, it's like it doesn't make sense that we only got a certain amount of the vaccine allocated and these politicians are the first ones going up getting it like first responders should be the ones getting it home health aid should be the first ones getting it like they should be the ones that are 
that have the first access getting it because they're putting their lives on the line every day to get it. What they do, the first responders do, they have the first, they have, I think there's like different levels, different tiers of people that like get it first, like allocated the drug first to like these people. Need yeah. It. But like to your point also, like I just don't, I just think it's so contradictory of us seeing people that were just bashing the virus so much. And now, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden they're flipping a their script. And I don't know if it's because there's money involved. No, there's no. It is because there's money involved. There is because of money involved, and because of the nonsense that. And you can tell that there's money involved because the nonsense that they did with that COVID relief bill. Like, nah, son, <laughs> nah. Like, I'm saying there's money involved based off based off who's getting it first. Yeah, I like, think that's what it's going to come down to. You, you, think like some of, you think some of them are really taking the actual? Do you think there's actually the vaccines actually in the thing, or you think they just? Sure. Who knows? You can you 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 would hope so, but who knows? Politics is a dirty game, and 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 all, and all that matters is putting out there to the masses what you want them to believe. That's that's a fact, but I don't believe that they're doing it. Um, one, I don't believe that they're doing it, and they all def got money involved because a lot of them. I forgot who it was. I forgot what state, but there was definitely an article that came out that came out saying that some of these politicians had money in some of these pharmaceutical companies, which is why they, which is why, like you know. They were pushing for the vaccine and pushing for them to get it passed. And it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's, it sucks because it's like, these people are public servants and they're, they're supposed to be for the people. Someone who worked in, someone who's worked for the state, it's like, it doesn't sit right with me that it's like, I get it. You guys are politicians, but it's like, politicians are easily replaceable. You know what I mean? You guys are supposed to be out every two years and every two years are going to be the common people. And so looking at that situation for me, it's like, I'm not saying that politicians should just die out, but it's like, if a nurse dies, if a nurse dies, that's another four years, four to five years that we have to wait for another nurse to come back into the industry or another healthcare worker to come back into the industry versus I can really just create a political platform. And if people really believe me in two, three, four years, I could really actually become a public official. You know what I mean? And that's really the crazy thing of how I look at it. Like, I get there's, like, tears, but it's, like, politicians should be the last ones to get it. And, and even, even in politics, like you said, with, with like, nurses, even doctors or, or people of that nature, like, someone someone dies just based on, like, the the, the, um, the knowledge they need to perform the duty on, on a daily at a high level. Like you said, four to five years minimum for another one to be replaced. And even with politicians, if you replace them every two years, with with like the technology and different platforms that are out there nowadays, they can still have a voice on the platform to get their message across. If they if they really want to do that, like you say, you can build a a, a high power political platform. You don't need to necessarily be sitting in office to do so. So it's like, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to the vaccine, I I don't believe they should be the first ones to get it either. I don't even think they should. I don't think they should be considered the frontline workers because at the end of the day, they're sitting behind desks or or not even at desks. They're at the cribs. They're cribs most likely. Unless they're really pe- people that are like in Washington, whatever it may be, on a daily in office making moves, whatever it may be, or or, or like the high level officials in, in each state. So it's like I don't feel as though like corporate CEOs should be the first ones to get them because I've been hearing some some CEOs and different companies are getting them as well, getting the vaccine before everybody else, and, and, and it's just the same thing. Like if you aren't in in those in those high risk areas for your daily job, whatever it may be, I don't think you should be the first person to get it. I agree. Like, it's not even just it's that and it's just the fact of like it just goes back to the bigger thing of like politicians like this is my biggest problem with america it's like everything is political until it's political then it's really just about money mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's like really think about that we sat here we saw people die we saw how the hospitals looked and we still made it a political issue 
And I, even when it ended up not being a political issue anymore, now when Donald Trump got the got COVID, now when a bunch of important people got COVID, it really just came down about money. It's like, oh, shit, I have it now. I have a lot of money. Let me go spend and go to the best hospital in the country. And I'm good now. You know what I mean? And it sucks because it's like even going like you have hundreds of like you have millions of people now who are out of work because of COVID because we can't go nowhere. We have people who have died. We have people who have lost their families. And it's like just even going back to it, just like look at the COVID relief. But I don't know if you guys saw it, but from what I read, we get six hundred dollars from it. Right. But they're mm-hmm. giving out billions and trillions of dollars. They're giving out billions of dollars to foreign countries. Apparently, there's like this two billion dollar is two billion dollar. um funding to go study fish and it's like there's just a bunch of random stuff and it's like essentially it's going to the big businesses in the country and it's like yo it's like it doesn't make sense that it's like we sat here for all this time we got twelve hundred dollars once y'all told us not to be scared y'all told us that it was a hoax y'all had all these people saying a bunch of bs and now look at us we're now here in this place where it's like you're trying to shift it away or trying to shift the way to make sure the economy doesn't crumble but because niggas didn't do their job in the first place by telling people to wear a mask, stay home, make this shit a real threat, we're going to end up in the same shit again. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how you try to swing it. You might as well just throw us the bread, let us sit at home, and then we're going to just have to spend our way out. I understand it. It's a trillion-dollar economy, but it's like sometimes you got to learn. It goes back to what I was saying before. It's like there's just some things you have to learn how to take an L about and just know like this is a very, very extreme time. So it's like, just take the L, make everybody stay home. And then when we get out of this mess, we just going to have to figure out ways to get out, get out of, get out of this um, recession. It yeah. That's what they what get. That's, that's what they get paid for to, to, to figure that kind of shit out because $600 to, to tens of millions of Americans who are unemployed, who have lost their businesses, who are homeless, who can't even afford food to eat. $600 is a slap in the face. What the that fuck ass. are you going to do with $600? Because I t- in Jersey, in Jersey, $600 ain't getting you shit. Yeah, period. Nah not getting you nothing so all that it's just a slap in the face how, how do you expect your 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 uh your citizens to be able to survive over some shit like that they can't they literally can't so the fact that they even put something out there like that to the masses is like it's just a total slap in the face it's a it's a fucking joke and they think that like and they think that they're doing us justice yeah we're creating small business we're creating small businesses but it's like let's even talk about small businesses small businesses are essentially from one to 49 employees right so even with that you're essentially creating businesses. Unless you're unless you're a healthcare worker, you don't really, depending on what industry that you're at, you're probably not even going to touch up to 49 employees. In a lot of cases, you may not even touch up to 20, right? So you're giving money to these places. A lot of these people are not really even going to have jobs because a lot of these people work for corporate companies, Fortune 500 companies, 100 companies, 300 companies. So it's like, how do you really plan on helping these people? What do we do about school? Because now if you're saying that you're giving people money or you're giving small businesses money, they got to go back to work. How are you going to handle school? How do you handle all these different things? These teachers that still have to go and support themselves on the front lines, the people that fund themselves. And you think that $600 is going to fund a teacher? The teacher is going to fund a small business owner who, who was making 55 K just from their small business alone. And that was running their whole family. Like it's like, it, it doesn't sit right with me that that happened, but like people like Tom Brady, he got like what? He got like $900,000 for his business. Like people are getting millions of dollars for their business. And we just sitting here watching everybody. And it's like, yo, like, I know I'm not wilding, but it's like, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady outside of his business was still getting paid like what? 30 million a year total, something like that. And it's like, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. And obviously y'all two, my homeboys that we just sat here for X amount of months 
and y'all was struggling with how much money I wanted to give us. And at the end of the day, y'all gave us $600 and y'all giving out hella bread to different countries. I understand it. Maybe you want to help the global economy. Cool. But your country is not in order. Mm-hmm. And your bedroom is not in order. And you think $600 is going to solve that when you got people spending $300 on groceries, you got people spending money on a bunch of different shit. You have OnlyFans girls making $3,000 for, for nonsense, for shaking their ass on camera, and you think that $600 is going to help us out? Yeah, Hell, like, no. what about rent? Man? Nah. Just wave everybody's rent for, for, for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Why, why can't something like that be done? That's what's really going to help you, because $600 ain't getting you shit. That's they not even a, half a year rent in Jersey. Not at all. It's but they're having, evict- they having an eviction moratorium, moratorium going on. So, like, you can't evict people from their homes right now. And I know, like, some people, just how everybody moving into their new apartments, don't say nothing. But um, people are getting a certain amount of amount, a certain amount of months free for living there. So it's like, say, for example, some people get, like, three months of free rent, four months of free rent, and they get their rent lowered. So that's about the time like they have to pay rent. They're already gonna have the bread to pay for like five, six months. They yeah, they're gonna hike it up too. They're gonna spike it up to get that bread back. People, yeah. Like, so it's like it's just a way to get people in there. You lock them in a the lease because when stuff goes back to where if it goes back, so they're just gonna spike it up for a period of time to make their bread exactly. back. Exactly. But that's what I thought. We're gonna get to the Faces of the Future song of the day presented by Next Big Thing and Faces of the Future. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter on, on IG MBT underscore the one percent on Twitter MBT the Future and check out our website at mbtfacesofthefuture.com for all our interviews. You can check out our blog. You can link to the podcast, our merch, and everything you want to know about the about MBT. Um, the song of the day comes from an up and coming artist named Lil Spirit. Um, I, I came across him on Internet Money's project. Um, his song "Devastated." Um, tune in to him. He's an up and coming R and B artist. I think he's like. He's a vibe of like a just young Justin Bieber, but he's about to, but he's like on some punk rock pop type shit. So um, I want everybody to tune into him. Let me know his thoughts. And once again, this is Little Spirit Devastated. Even though it's not forever, cause you know how this game goes. We got 
Once again, that was Devastated um, by Internet Money featuring Middle Spirit. Check them out. We did a nice little article on them in the Facing the Future blog, which you can check out on our website. Um, just to finish up what we were just talking about, so give me a number of what y'all think would be a good amount that Americans should get to survive on. For how long? A month? Or... No, nah, I say it was for six months because you say it's granted six months. Per six months? Yeah, or like, oh, for six month period of time, monthly. So, yeah, monthly. Like monthly? Was, I'm thinking like five. Five, five a month. month? Yeah. Five, five racks? I don't know. Huh? I, bro, I don't know if you ever get that. Five racks? I, I'm thinking like. <laughs> five racks? You're asking, asking me how much I want or how much I think we should get. Not how much you want because we want a lot of bread. <laughs> how much you want. I'm trying to think about car payments, food, insurance. I say, well, other countries. You probably chopped that in half. I'm about to say, kids, two, five. Yeah, yeah that's all I was about to say. Yeah. 2,500 is a lot more. If you go for a year, that's 60K. Five that's what I was nice. thinking. I'm like, yo, that, like. I'm sure, I'm sure that could be doable, though. Nah, it, it could be. Doable? Sixty k a year, it's possible. Sixty k a year. Sixty k could be doable. Quite a little. I mean, anybody could live on sixty k. You know what I'm saying? They're not giving us that. No, oh, you're not definitely. But, but uh, two to two to two, uh, twenty five hundred will be will be nice. Yeah, I feel. I feel because like, I feel like other. I think other countries doing that. So that's around the range that they've been giving their citizens on on like, Damn, like that's nice month, and and they have to like pay it pay it back. I think not all of it, but like you know what I'm saying, there's probably a tax on it, but. I mean, we'll see. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We we definitely not. Do you think they're gonna revise the the, the stimulus package, the COVID relief? I hope so. No, because it's the six hundred dollars. It's it's not really gonna do much for people. They, it, it, not, it's not gonna do much. You go through that like this. Yeah, it's not gonna do. You it's pay, not gonna you, do much. You pay. You pay one like two bills. As as fast as that goes into my account, it's gonna come right back up. I think, you know what I'm saying. I think that based on how. Joe Biden is speaking. Okay, this is what I think. Depending on how the Senate election goes in Georgia, if it goes well and Democrats do win full full power in the House, I think that they're not going to revise it, but they're definitely going to they're definitely going to cancel our our student loan debt. They're definitely going to put us on lockdown. So again, at that point, they're probably going to end up. Re- hopefully, I don't know how it works. Um, they'll probably end up reducing insurance rates and certain rates because people are not going out, people are not driving as much, um, and so they'll probably end up giving us like another one-time, probably two-time check, like payment, and then that would be it. If it doesn't go well, then I don't think we get nothing because th- Donald Trump right now, as much as I'd hate to say, it, I agree with him that like we're spending a bunch of we're spending we're spending a bunch of money on nothing. And it's like, he's not signing the bill. You know what I'm saying? And so it just looks a way that, once again, we're getting $600, but you're putting in $2 billion to fish. You know what I mean? And you're doing, you're giving money to foreign nations. And I get it. Like, we have allies. But it's like, our bedroom is not in order, meaning like the citizens are not in order. We still have to handle the hospital situation. We have a lot of stuff to handle. We're not handling that. So I think if everything goes well in January, I think that we will end up getting one more payment. If not, I don't even think that we I don't even think we're gonna get this payment before Donald Trump gets out of office unless they give us the two thousand dollars like he's asking. That's rough. 
That's rough. If you think about it, you really think about it. Yeah, but it's hard for people out here because, I mean, there's tens of millions of, of Americans that are unemployed, and there's going to be tens of more millions that are going to become unemployed. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the country's in a bad way right now. That's that's all due to the fact that we didn't handle it the right way the first time when it came to, I guess, being prepared. Or there's such a plan. lack of discipline here in this country. There's such a lack of discipline. All people to, really all can't has, stay inside for the for the greater good. It's all, you know what I'm saying? It's all due to entitlement, bro. We feel so entitled to everything. Yeah. Because there was there was there was a story I forget. I think uh, my mom was telling me about it. We was talking about how some I seen some woman she went over to a different country and thought she didn't have to abide by their quarantine rule. You did, like you know when you travel someplace you have to stay in for fourteen days and American. She was like, I mean, I don't got I'll stay in for a few days and then they probably won't care if I leave. She got booked for four months. Like, nah, you stay in the jail. If you don't want to stay in quarantine, I right, were booking you. You stand in there for four months. I forget where it was at, but I was like, dang. And that just people goes ain't back. ready for that. People, people just and you talk about when we talked about um Jello Ball when he did the when he was stealing how you can't just go to other other people's countries and think they have the same rules. Yeah. Yeah, That's I say true. on the show all the time, people have no clue what it's like to live in another country. You wouldn't even be able to say half the political you wouldn't even be able to talk half the shit about politicians that you do in other countries. You would get killed for it. Yeah. Literally. That's why I, I be telling people it's always good to it's always good to travel and experience other things because it's like yeah. for me, me going to Nigeria and like just I mean, I haven't been there in a while. I'm going there next year by God's grace, but like just knowing how people just act there not even from a political standpoint, but just from just like a humanitarian standpoint, half the, half the stuff that we complain about here, people will just look at you crazy if you went there and complain. It's like, and this is not trying to do struggle Olympics. I'm saying this in a sense of like, we have a lot of privilege and we feel like we don't have to do certain things here because, you know, we're in America, we have privilege, we have this, but it's like, going to places where it's like, for example, you used to not eating in Nigeria and it's like, niggas is breaking into warehouses to get their food back. America, if they were hot enough food like that, you could never do that here. Niggas would, niggas would arrest you, shoot you clean. We can't even protest here. What happens when we find out they hide food from us? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like you, you're right, Shannon. It's like people do not know what it means to live in other countries. It's like it's really, really interesting. Other countries, or even I would say, like other towns and cities, because we we grew up in a in a, in a very nice suburban area, right? Yeah. And we went to we went to a great school. Let's call it what it is. A great school, a great education. We were safe. You know what I'm saying? You, you say what you want to say. Of course, there are things you're not going to like about it. But all in all, it was a great high school experience, a great education from the time we were in elementary school on. Right? When I would hear people complain all the time and thinking about the days where I used to live in Philly, or even if you would go across a bridge to Chester, where you got to walk through metal detectors to get into school. That's and, you gotta, and, and kids don't have books. There's no books. There's no supplies. Kids are just in class doing nothing all day long. So I think people really need to think about think outside yourself sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like Mill said, it goes back to that sense of entitlement. People really be having no clue. They think that, that their world is in their one box that they live in, but it's really not like that at all. Definitely, definitely. So, off the COVID topic, into 2021, what, let's jump into like your expectations you have, and Joe, not just for yourself, but just in general, what's, what do you expect for the, from the new year? Like, what, can you, what do you expect mentally from the year and, and maybe, like, the goals you have and what you expect maybe from the country or things you're involved in in general? Let me start with you, Tob. Um, 
for myself, um, I do expect myself to be in a, a better situation. Y'all, like I, I said this before, like I applied to law schools already. Um, so I do expect myself to be in law school. Um, I do expect myself to be, if I'm not in law school, which I more than likely think I'm going to be in law school. You I do honestly. Catch that joint. You can't be saying thing. Yeah, you no, I definitely, I definitely, I definitely be in school. I'll definitely be in school for a fact. Um, I'll definitely be out the house. Um, I'll definitely be working in my craft more and just working on my purpose. Um, because it's all I know it's all going to tie together. And I think that like going into like something spicy now, just looking at how things are, my spicy take is I think 2021 we're going to really start seeing the end of, um. How do I say this? Like marketing and how it is now. I think we're gonna go back to original marketing of how people market before because it, it's what explain a little bit, tap into it a little bit. What you mean so, by normal? I was marketing? having one of my, I was having a little bit one of my my mental my mental thoughts, and I was thinking about it. Like I got, I was, I'm fatigued off the internet. You know, I don't know if y'all noticed. I've not been posting on the internet like that. I haven't been tweeting. I haven't been retweeting. I really haven't been not been on social media like that. Um. And what I realized is that I've got, I have like so much information at the, at the palm of my hands, like working out, you'll go on there and see 300 different people doing different types of workouts, 30 different people doing the same exact type of music, 10, 10 20 different people working as execs, A&Rs in music, trying to pitch a new sound, all these people trying to network, trying to find these different avenues through the internet. And it's like, it gets exhausting because you're seeing the same exact thing and so for me it's like marketing as we know it through the internet i don't think it's going to be as lucrative in 2021 because people are going to want to be outside and i think like you have to go back to learning how to use people skills that's number one and using your influence like things like blogs i feel that nature i I agree with that in in a a different way in a sense not a different way but in a similar way in terms of like the marketing is going to go back to what it used to be just because of the fact that you said there's so much information at your hands and people want to be outside. And that's what I, I was talking to somebody about this because they're trying to build their own platform. And I was just telling them like the way that marketing, I guess was in the early two thousands, you had the blog sites and things like that is slowly trickling back into, into our society in, in the sense that instead of just going to like Instagram and, and Twitter and having all the information at one, at one disposal, people are going to start to build their own worlds and people are going to be quote unquote invited into them. If that makes sense. Almost if you, you, you use all these clubhouse, for example, how people have the different chat rooms and people go to the stuff that they want to be into instead of having everything right in front of them. Like you said, it gets overwhelming at times where information is just thrown at your face left and right all the time. And I feel as though what you're saying about people wanting to be outside that word of mouth of being, it's going to be a telltale of, of somebody's product and the way they push and the way they push their stuff as well. I think you also have to look at it from a standpoint of like going to the clubhouse example, like one of the biggest problems also with the internet is that it's given everybody a voice. That's and to be honest with you, not everybody deserves a voice because let's like, let's look at clubhouse. For example, what we was talking about like two weeks ago, like it don't make sense that like we've created a narrative over the course of 12 months of what, everything that we've saw as African-Americans that we're now saying that black people are the white men of the black community or, you know, black African-Americans aren't African or like just different types of like divisive topics. And people are just not even spewing legitimate information, but they're just spewing misinformation that's creating bad narratives. And so it's like when you get outside, it's going to be like you're going to you're now going to be in a situation where 
you can get punched in the face if you say something stupid. Yeah. Right. You can get you. You're gonna meet somebody who's smarter than you and who's more read, more uh, well read than you. Yeah. So it's like, how do you sit here and create a situation where you go outside and you're well versed and you're well read? You create different worlds, like you said. Yeah. And so what's gonna end up happening now is that like, we just have to we just have to realize that like, we we're going back outside eventually, and like all these antisocial skills of just talking bullshit, just being a troll. Stuff like that. It doesn't. It doesn't equate to real life. We've seen it with Jamel Hill with um, Jake Paul. Like shit is not like this. Shit is not real life. And it's not real life. So it's like doing that going forward is just that. Like we have to figure out. I think what people need to start looking at is like how do we as people moving transitioning back into outside and being, um, being interactive with one another again. How do we essentially break down the barriers of misinformation? miscommunication, things of that nature, because that's going to be one of the biggest sticking points going into this new century. Cause it's like, there's so much information where it's like, people need to take a break. People need to know how to experience life outside of the internet. I think, and, I think, and I think the thing that's going to make that happen is what people been outside. It's going to, it's going to force you to build credibility. And what am I mean? What I mean by that is you're going to have to experience stuff to know what you're talking about. You can't, yep. like you say, you can't just, sit here and feel entitled on the internet because you have Twitter or whatever it may be, or you, just because you think you have a voice. Like you said, everybody necessarily doesn't need a voice on certain topics. You feel me? I feel as though everybody deserves to have their say and what they want to say, but if you're going to say it, you should be knowledgeable what you're talking about. And like you said, not just, mm-hmm. it doesn't, and that excludes being a troll or just going into rooms to start drama or, or, to, ha- or to have like headlines, like you said, in Clubhouse where people are just starting stuff to, to spark things and have people argue with each other that's unproductive or whatever it may be. So going back to your, your your ways of marketing and the way it's going to change, I agree with that for sure. Because like you said, the, I think the, the focal point of that is it's going to force people to really build their credibility. Like you said, you're going to be interacting with people, not just over the internet. So like in person, you say something that's wrong. Me and Shannon was talking about that before, about people saying like the way we talk, whatever, be, being from the East Coast is like crazy and aggressive. But it's just like, nah, we just, if you say some, say some BS, we're going to check, but that's not true. Yeah, you're going you, you to get checked yeah. for it, for sure. And, and, and our area is known for, like, the Northeast is known for that. Like, you know, they're just not going to let stuff slide, you feel me? So it's Cutthroat, like, hardcore. Yeah, but I feel like society's pushing towards that way anyway, in general. Like, people are, like you said, people are tired of people thinking they have entitlement, they know everything when they haven't built the credibility to, to do so. And I'm, one yeah. of, and I'm one of those people, too. It's like you go into the rooms, like you said, even on Clubhouse, you have people that are on a stage talking about stuff that don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. There's total ignorance. Yeah, nah. It's, you're right. It's just like, it just makes me feel, it. it's tiring because it's like, I think another take that I want to say is that a lot of people that have not, you know, have learned how to heal, that are still, you know, projecting their bitterness, projecting their hurt, when you get into real life, they're not going to, they're not, they're still going to feel the same way. And I say that because it's like most of the people, in my opinion, that create a lot of divisive topics on the internet are really just a lot of hurt people. And because they have that, they have a voice where they can amplify that and talk to whoever, they're going to be able to reach other people to look like them. You may like, in a, in a, hypothetically in a friend group, for example, of six of us, you may just be the only person that's bitter and hurt and everybody else could be living their lives randomly. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to be the only ones going to feel that hurt. And when people are going to start going outside, you're going to have less and less people focused on, oh, my gosh, like, I hate black men or I hate black women or you guys are this, you guys are that. And all that stuff is going to go away because it's like 
It's people tiring. have time for that shit. It's tiring. tiring. Like, it's very tiring. Just Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with you with the as far as like the stand up social media stuff too, because I I'd be on it less and less and less. Cause like you said, it's just oversaturated with bullshit. Straight yeah, yeah. bullshit. No, you guys, you guys get your like you, on your on your iPhones. You guys get that little update like each each like Sunday or whatever that tells you like the percentage of what you used on your phone. Yeah, my joint today said, "Oh, your your usage of your phone like on on social platforms is down like forty percent from last." Yep. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's just. It's, it's exhausting. You exhausting. better off just doing your own due diligence. Yeah, and like, I mean, so don't get me wrong. It's good to be on the social to be to be in tune to what's going on. But just some people really just spend their all day on on the on their phone, like, and then we keep referring back to Clubhouse just because it's something that's, it's an app that's, that's up and up. popping right now. And when you go on Clubhouse, you can look at your followers and see when they last was like logged on. You feel me? Like how many hours they've been away. And sometimes I go on there just to peep, like, all right, just to see who's on like at like eight. And then I wake up in the middle of the night all the time and I'll go on like, just to check and see who's on still. And some of the same people still be on that joint from like six to like two in the morning. It's like, yeah. Are you are you not doing anything else? Just like, wanting to argue with each other, man. Just wanting to just feel like they're right. My I'm right and you're wrong, kind of thing. You know? That and they want to feel like they belong somewhere. It's like yeah. it's just like I just don't I just don't get how people think that the internet is going to be one of the best ways for you to connect with people. Don't get me wrong, it helps. But when you're being divisive in terms of in terms of connection, I'm not hating on the internet at all because I feel like yeah, no, there's sure. better ways to connect with people. Because I've met a lot of people that I that I, like I, I do work with that type of thing through through the internet. But like you said, it just depends on how you use it. Yeah, like if you're if you're creating divisiveness and if you're creating discord destruction, you're not you're not making yourself better. And I think that going into 2021, that's another one of my expectations that it's like I think that just us black men seeing how things are now with the rise of like how everything is moved. I think that now we're going to take a, a, a special liking to us fo- genuinely focusing on ourselves and bettering ourselves. You know what I mean? Cause it's just like, I know I made a joke about it, but only fans is on the internet and there's only so much, there's only so much for that. You about to see before it's like, all right, I need to get off of this. It's outside time. Like I want to go out and experience things. And it's like, just seeing how people have moved on the internet, both on the black men and black women's side. I think that going forward, I do think that black men, this is my expectation. I do want to hold black men around me accountable is that like we do make that step in terms of just creating our own kingdom. Cause it's like, I think it's needed in this point in time of just how everything has been going like the past year and a half. Um, I think that, and I think that music, I think how the original, like, I guess formula of how they make music is going to go too. Cause it's just like niggas have been listening to the same exact shit over and over and over again. I think, so it's just I think like, not, not to jump to the music yet, but I think I mm. think music at that point is gonna be have more have have more feeling to it if that makes sense. Like it's gonna be music about it's not gonna be like that microwave stuff that we've been hearing, like the same sound. Yep. Like it's gonna have that I always say this all the time, like the eighties, nineties, we had that music that's like not even even before then, like when you had like Motown, like the music, not not necessarily the sound, but the quality yeah. content that's in the music. Like the music, they said that you, that that you can only relate to if you go through it. You feel me? Not into some. I'm ready for that, bro. Yeah, dun, 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 dun. it's like you ready for that. How you feel? How 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 the women felt when they listened to Summer Walker's project? Like that type of music. You feel me? Like I feel as though like when I heard her project, I said that's that's one of the best albums <laughs> I heard all year. Is like she really puts you through her whole relationship stage and how she was feeling. Is like that was that yeah. really had 
had something behind it, had that emotion behind it, had that feeling behind it. And that's the, those are the type, that, those are the type of projects that really stick and the type of music that really sticks when, when you look about longevity in the music career. But before we get into music, Shan, how, what, what are your like expectations going? What do you expect from the new year? And, and maybe someone you expect something big from in the new year that you've been following or keeping up with? Well, what I expect from the new year is going to, you know, do my best to put myself in, in the position that I want to be in. It's time to advance in your career. Something that I'm worried about that's obviously way down the line in next year is what is it going to be like for the sports situation with high school sports being a referee. They already pushed the basketball season back till the end of January. Who knows if that's going to be able to go on? Who knows what life's going to be like come fall time? Um, I would like to take the next steps in my relationship in this, in this uh, 2021 year. Sadly that, can't travel and do things you want to do. You know, I was supposed to go on two vacations last year that I had to cancel because of travel restrictions. So I would like to take some trips uh, um, and just be, be ready to get back to normal life. The person that I'm expecting some big things from this year or, or that I really want to see how things are going to play out with is Joe Biden to see how, um, you know, after the Trump presidency is over, he now inherits the economy. He inherits mm-hmm. the COVID situation. He inherits all the, um, the issues that went on last year, like the Breonna Taylor situation, George Floyd, he inherits all those social justice issues now. I want to see how he tackles those because there was a lot of promises that were made. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, let's vote Trump out and vote me in. So let's, I'm excited to see what he does now in this 2021 year to see what he, see what he has in store. I think, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to right. really make things happen. You know, how was he going to respond to the American people that are going through all these hardships and living in this COVID world that we live in now? Yeah, it's, 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 this presidency is going to be really a tough act to follow in terms of not of who he's following, but what he's, like you said, inheriting. And, and what, what are you going to do with it? It's going to be very tough. I think very, that, very tough. I think, I think for him, it, to be honest with you, I was saying this to my, to my family yesterday. It really just all comes down to January. Like in, in like two weeks, we're really about to find out like what Joe Biden's presidency is going to look like. Because I've I've I I don't even know if I've said it on here, but I I think I have. But like I said if they don't win full control of the House, Joe Biden's expectations, at least from at least the Democratic side, are going to be very 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 slim. If he has full control of the House the accountability that he's going to have to have from now up until midterms is going to be crazy be ridiculous. because it, yeah, because it's like already you already kind of see that like he didn't have Elizabeth Warren in there. He didn't have Joe Biden in his cabinet. AOC is saying stuff like a lot of these progressive people are speaking their mind that like, yo, like you ain't put no progressives on your cabinet. You basically took Obama's administration and put it as your own. And so now moving forward, if you have full control of the house, if you don't start doing things that appeal to your party, those core people, the Bernies, the Elizabeth Warrens, the AOCs, they're not helping you with nothing. No. They're not because you have the power. You're not doing it. So it's like now if he loses, for example, if if, um, if we don't get the full house is bipartisan again, it's still going to be difficult because now Joe Biden is going to have to appeal to the Republicans to get mm-hmm. what he wants. But the problem with that is the progressives are not going to help him if he's not going to do what they want to do. And he's already put himself in a position where it's like, even with things with the Green New Deal, that looks kind of sketchy to me because of like who he put in there. Like a guy who makes money off of all these environmental firms, he put in as his, um, I guess, his deputy chief for environmental um, affairs. And so my thing is, 
it's going to be very, very interesting. Like you said, Shannon, about um, what he like his expectations. Like it really just comes down like two, three weeks um, in the Georgia Senate race, and then we'll All really time. see what, what's ha- what, what's happening. Because like I said, if he has full power, if he has full control, there's going to be problems by midterms if he doesn't start doing the stuff he says he's going to do. Do you guys think that more people are going to be tuned in to what happens in his first? Couple <laughs> Tovar second said, "Do you think people are going to be more tuned into what happens in this first couple of weeks of being a president, like more than any other time ever?" Now, I don't think the first few weeks. I think, like Toby said, like if nothing, they're going to give him a little time, a little wiggle room. But when midterms come around, if nothing's changed. Move. It's it's going to be he got he going to hear it. I feel, I feel like he he almost has no margin for error, but there's bound to be some some slip ups. Yeah, someone's not happy for sure. He has no like. There's a difference between there's a small group of people that are not happy, right? Versus you not completing what people voted on you for. Like, let's go to the race situation, for example, right? Like you've talked about creating a system that'll help African-Americans, things of that, like, you know, you'll help them have easier ways to get business, like get business loans, um, help them with their credit, essentially a lot of different stuff that you put on your website, right? Now let's say, let's go into the situation. We look at Breonna Taylor's situation. We look at everything else that's happened. We go in, you have full control of the Senate and the House, and we don't see any of these things starting to get changed. It's like, okay, so what do you do now? And this is why I said, like, people are going to try to hold him accountable. They're not really going to hold him accountable, accountable because they already did what they needed to do, which was vote Trump out of office. And so for me, this was why, like, my biggest thing was, like, you guys are voting Trump out of office, but you guys are not really watching what the Democrats just did to y'all. They just pulled wool over your eyes. They pandered to y'all. And now... When he comes in, he's using a very centrist, a very centrist way of political moving to try to unite Republicans and Democrats. But niggas is not trying to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like it'll be interesting to see, like, what he's going to do in terms of fulfilling what he said and what he promised he said he was going to do. Obviously, like coronavirus, that's probably (coughs) something that's going to be not hand, but he'll he'll essentially put a bandaid on it. In terms of race relations, in terms of helping the little people, the minorities in this country, I don't expect a lot from him just because of what they just did. And that's the sad reality of it. And I think people yeah. are going to be surprised in the first 100 days. And they're like, oh, my gosh, there's nothing being done. And it's like, this is why we told y'all don't just yeah. vote to get somebody out of office. That's what I. That's that's exactly what I was about to say. People, people are gonna be like, look, see, told y'all we should have kept Trump on office. See, this this is what y'all wanted to happen, and then you know, you know how that things goes with, with people and their political feelings. Yeah, no, nah, you you're right. I I'm not saying, and once again, I've always said I'm not saying go. We should have kept Trump in office. What I'm saying is that what we should have been more privy to is the fact of like the Democratic Party saw that Bernie was getting a lot of traction, a lot of steam. And as a result of that, they now essentially told him that we're not funding your campaign in short order. And we're going to go with Joe Biden to unify the Republican and the Republicans and the Democrats, which essentially was never happening. Because at the end of the day, even if Joe Biden wins, the Republicans still have control of the Supreme Court. You know what I mean? And so it's like, y'all did all this. And y'all couldn't even get the person that the people wanted to be in office. So now what's going to happen is you're going to come in here. You have somebody that can move and shake. And you have uh, Kamala Harris, who essentially says whatever she wants to get what she wants. And now what's going to happen now? Because it's like 
they both have very shaky pasts, especially dealing with African-Americans and dealing with minorities. So very. How do you expect us to sit here and think that something's going to happen when they've shown us in the past, even up until the point where they ran for office, that nothing was going to happen? Kamala Harris didn't win. She didn't win her own home state in California. So what makes you think that now, if she was to run for president, if Joe Biden was to, if she was to rerun for president, which I think will probably end up happening, that she's going to get picked? You know what I mean? It just looks really shaky and it looks very, very sketchy to me. That's why it's like, I don't expect much. I don't expect much because I think Joe's on his way out age-wise and I think Kamala has essentially shot herself in the foot. I agree. I, I hear you. I, I, can hear, I, I hear those sentiments for sure. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. Yes, it will. I mean, all, all, all we can do is sit back and watch. That's all we can do. Facts, facts. As, as far as me, what I expect from the new year, um... Me, the expectations I have is I just want I just want growth in like all my relationships that I have, whether it be family, friends, that type of thing. And I just want to see everybody prosper, like that as close as around me, if that makes sense. I feel like our group of friends, my group of friends that I have are really set on like the goals that they have. And in twenty twenty kinda like not didn't like hinder it, but set it back a little bit. And I knew a lot of people had a lot of hopes and expectations for the years coming up. So I just want to see them prosper in that. And then in terms of a person that I have like expectations for is Rich Paul. Like I, the, the way he's moving in, in, in basketball and sports and opening doors for different people, not even just in sports, but even music. Cause I was watching an interview with um, QC with, with um, coach K and, and, and P and they were talking about how Rich Paul opened up doors for them, introduced them to certain people that, that normal people in the music and rap industry wouldn't even get access to because people like them too that look like us aren't in those positions. So it's like seeing him open up different avenues in not only basketball, but on the outside world when it comes to businesses is big time. And in the way he's making an impact and changing the culture and sports in general, incredible. And the way it's looked at is, 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 is amazing to me. And it's something, someone I, I truly look into and, and try to study the way he moves. So I'm excited to, to, to see what happens with him and, and how much and how much more impact he has going into the new year because I feel like he's setting a lot of people up, um, not even just LeBron but other people in his camp to to be successful after sports done, which will allow more prominent black business owners in different industries. And, and I'm excited that I'm excited for that for that new era of ownership and not even just ownership. People preach about ownership, but new era of representation that we that that I would I would like to see in a lot of in a lot of different places. So. Does he have- he he Sorry. himself mm-hmm. made between like November and December fifty million dollars just he, signing players. He, he began to. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and does I he have a book? He doesn't. I don't think he has a book yet, but he does have. Oh, a, okay. There's an interview. I forget who he has. It's. It, I forget who the interview was. It was one of the guys from like Nike. He has a podcast interview that I recommend you guys listen, like watch. I'm just typing Rich Paul interview. It's, it's like in black and white. He's on a pod. Um, I forget the guy who's um, interviewing him, but he's a prominent like marketing guy. Um. And he just goes into about he just goes into depth about um, not just be able to have the opportunity, but what are you going to do when you're on that stage and opportunities presented to you? Because he said anybody can get presented an opportunity. It's not so much the opportunity like people get presented opportunities every day, but it's what are you going to do with it when that time comes? Because at the end of the day, he said when the opportunity comes, you get on that stage, you still have to perform. You got to be ready. Fact. Like like people people talk about. People talk about like well, use Brown for example because it's one of his clients. Um, yeah, he might have he might have had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and all that stuff, but at the day he still had to perform. And when he didn't perform that first year in the finals, what happened? He got he passed, he got 
So at the end of the day, you could have all the circumstances lined up to you, but if you don't perform when that opportunity presents us, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. And but yeah, um, yes, yeah, you got to perform on that stage. At the end of the day, you got to perform on the stage. Because if you don't perform on the stage, bro, everything else don't mean nothing, in my opinion. Yeah, can't hear you. No. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I said every day is an audition. You got to be ready. That's a fact. That's a big fact. I think that, like, I think that's the number one thing I, I'm – I think that's the number one thing I've also seen with 2020 that I think that, like, I hope people are preparing to get ready to, like, execute because I think more opportunities are going to be given when we get outside. And I think that, like, it's going to be a lot less – room for error for people when um when we do get outside because it's not going to make sense that you know we were inside for x amount of months and you don't even have the the abilities or the skills to perform certain things so it, it'll be interesting we'll see that's that's another thing i want to say in terms of the internet we were talking about earlier in the marketing as well i feel as though i feel as though tell me if i'm wrong or if it's not when it comes to certain companies i feel as though you're going to start hiring more contractors and not have, like, necessarily that marketing position. They don't have a marketing position in big companies. So I feel like people, I feel like the people in executive positions right now are, are watching the people that are on the internet that are, like, how you were talking about earlier, to people finding ways to create, make new things on their own, and learn, like you said, having skills that they be. And I feel like people are taking note of that. And so when things open up and they get their budgets, the new budgets, when money starts coming in again, then be like, oh, I, I've been watching you, whatever it may be. This whole platform, I need you to have this amount of contact for this amount of time, whatever it may be. I feel like a lot of independent creators are going to benefit from it a lot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Because it's like, even me with trying to set up what I'm trying to do for myself, um, I've realized that what I have to end up doing is just really knowing how to essentially have the skills of what I want to, what I want to show people and what I'm trying to execute for these clients. I'm on mute the mic, mute the mic, Shane. I think it's echoing. Hello? Oh yeah. Um, I was saying that like, I'm, I'm going to have to start preparing on how to like properly execute for what these clients want, because it's like just knowing how I want to move and knowing how I want to execute certain things, working with different businesses. I think that like, you have to be able to one execute, and to show them that you know what you're talking about and three trust, you know, cause it's like, even though like you'll, they'll probably are going to start hiring more contractors. They have to be able to trust you. So it's like, it's also about building up your clientele, building up trust and knowing how to relate with all these different businesses. Cause it's like, it's easy to, you know, hire these contractors. You could be cheap, but if they don't trust you, they're not going to use you. So I think that like, I think that is going to be a good, uh, a big thing that they're going to start doing as well. But I think like trust, and execution is going to come down to like the two, like two, three main core things. No, I agree. I agree. So let's get into You say you want to get into the, the warped, the rap, I meant the rap of the year, music that we've been listening to of the year. You want to leave that off? Yeah. I, yeah. I just wanted to see what, what y'all was listening to all year. Oh, so for I did my, did you do your chant? Did you um, see your, your, um, I didn't. I, so I did mine. Um, number the number one boy was Drake. Like, I was wondering. Yeah. Drake was the top boy in my joint. I mean, is what it is. Then my next one was St. John. St. John was number two. And then I had Roddy. Roddy was number three. And then I think at four and five, I think were Blast. 
and it was I think it was either Summer Walk or Snow Allegra, one of them two. Mm-hmm. I had them. I had their projects to the begin the year, like on repeat, like just listening. Yeah, to them. no, those were fire. So those were like my top five, and I think the number one project I listened to this year was was Roddy Rich's Antisocial. I had that joint on repeat when it first dropped, like crazy, and I still listen to it. And then um, St. John's second project, um, Ghetto Lenny's Love Song was number two. And I forget what number three was. I could check. Oh, word. I got my shit lined up right here. I mean, I could, I could tell you who I've been listening to the most all year. Cause... Oh, and Brent, no, Brent was in there. Brent was in there. Brent was in there. I forgot about Brent. Brent was in there. Brent was in there. For me, who I've been listening to really the most all year is um, Lil Baby, The Baby, Drake, mm-hmm. Pop Smoke, and um, – Jay-Z. That's who, I, that's who I've been listening to consistently throughout the year. Because that's baby. just what I rock with. Nah, Lil Baby had a hell of a year. I think yes, he, he did. I, I think he's going to do big things again next year. Um, I want to see yeah. how he would move from an executive position, but I think that he did really, really good rap-wise. And after this, I'm, I'm, I got to talk to you about what you on, on here, we're going to talk about the, the list your brother had. Oh my God, that joint was terrible. Which list my brother had? So, so Chase, so Chase and Wale were talking about like the top ten artists. The you know how B Dot put out the list of yeah. Wale put out his, bro. How is he gonna have Nav in his top ten artists of twenty twenty, but not have Little Baby, Polo G, or nothing in there? Cause he oh. Nav a top a top ten <laughs> rapper twenty twenty. You See, not even signing that. I can't, but it's because it's my brother. I. I know why he did it. <laughs> it's like, I don't co-sign Nav because I don't listen to Nav. I don't like his music. I think he has the same exact music. But I understand why he did it because Lil Baby and Polo G. It's like, I guess with him, his mindset is that you know what you're going to get from Lil Baby. You know what you're going to get from Polo G. Even though it may not be the same exact sound, but you know exactly what you're getting. I'm thinking when he probably put in Nav, he was probably thinking at it from a standpoint of like he probably gave niggas shit that people weren't really expecting originally. You know when? what I'm saying? When? I'm I'm not. This is not me. This is not me saying this. I just I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just giving him. I'm just giving him a, I'm just a perspective. <laughs> regardless, fix your face, Mills. <laughs> regardless, regardless of what, if you know what you're gonna give apology and be, little baby. Lil Baby was present all 2020. He had the yeah, biggest that's a fact. year, bro, of any rapper. He had every, a crazy he had, run. He had, he had every feeling in every song. You feel me? It was album. He had the mostly Scar record, put you in your bag about all the shit you've been through. He got he, he obviously got records about chasing the bag, whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying uh, what 42 Doug we paid. And then you got, then you got, he even got the political joint that he put out that was that did number. Yeah. Like, how? And this album was type crazy. So I'm, Yeah. I'm looking at it from a standpoint of like you knew what you was getting from Lil Baby. That's what, like what do you mean you know what you, I, I want to understand what you mean by that. It's like it's like let's look at Kendrick, right? You're not gonna know specifically what you're getting from Kendrick sound wise or sonically, but you know content wise, he's gonna give you somewhat of a different perspective of what he's giving you last time. He's very, very good at changing how he executes his music in different ways, right? Well, Lil Baby, you knew what you were going to get flow-wise. You knew what you were going to get lyric-wise. You knew what you were going to get, all those different things. This is not me justifying Nav. I'm justifying Nav because I don't like Nav at all. I hate that nigga. Anyways, my point is is that you knew what you were getting from Lil Baby. You knew what you were getting from Polo G. You knew what you were getting from these artists, right? But it's like, for him, it's like, 
you gave us all this and you've given us this before. What else have you given us? And I think like with, with them, it's like we've gotten the same exact things, but it just it's just packaged differently consumer wise. And because, you know, he makes music, <clears throat> he makes music and he produces, he's going to look at everything a little bit differently. That's why he was saying what he was saying. Like I said, I'm not justifying Nav. I would yeah. never put Nav in my top, not even my top 25, but. Even that, I just don't feel as though, I feel as though Baby Apology had to just, they had to be in the top 10. If you're speaking with the art, especially with the younger generation, bro. Like, we got to realize, realize, though, too, like, our age, as we're going up, bro, there's a whole generation below us that listens to young yeah. fans. Totally different music. Listen to a whole different sound. Because I think even Ray was telling me how he asked his brother, like, his brother who was, like, in ninth grade or tenth grade, asked, like, asked his, told him to ask, like, five friends what artists they listen to. And their top, like, their top two, three artists were Tyler, the Creator, Kid Cudi, and Travis Scott. You feel me? Yeah, I guarantee. I guarantee the people in our that's not gonna be like their top three most listened to. You yeah, me? there's obviously some pockets depending on you listen to whatever it may be, but it's just like I don't know. So was Lil Baby the best artist of 2020? Yes. Yes. Okay. He's- I think so too. And I will Overall, say, yeah. I remember last last New Year's 2019, Mills had put me on St. John back then. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember, I riding, around, I remember riding around on New Year's in the Uber. Mills put him on in the Uber on the way to the function. I've been trying. I'm I'm here for it. I told people yeah. when, I first, when I first heard um, his first project, like in 20, it was like 2018, 2017, when he put out a couple singles for it before he dropped the collection one. And I went to his show. I went to his show in Philly. I'm like, yeah, he's about to be next up. And it's mm-hmm. just, be, and the reason that I, I, I realized that is just the way that Dave's Burke is like marketing him. He started him out. He didn't start him start him out really like just in the states. Like when festivals were thing before COVID happened, he was at different festivals performing like in Germany, Norway, whatever it may be. Because he's like people. That's another thing people forget about the music industry, bro. There's more than just the United States market, and that's gonna be a whole different episode because we can talk about that forever. But there's more than just the United States market, and you can be a millionaire outside of the United States. Yeah. When it comes to music, for like, sure. Because there's consumers, and that's the thing, people, because I don't want to go too deep into this, but people just, people feel as though, and I feel as though people more so, like, coming up in the States think you have to just appeal to the people in the States to be, to be a, 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 a profitable artist. But the reason, the reason why they do that is because of the fact of U.S., like, the U.S. is, is like, it's a breeding ground for consumerism and making money. You know, so, yeah. So it's like what people when people like, like I, I look at Burna Boy, I look at Burna Boy's um, Coachella situation as an example. When he was complaining that his 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 um, name was too small in Coachella. It's like I get why he was pissed, because it's like in the U.S., people don't know Burna Boy like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like if you go outside and you step foot into Africa, it's like if you go to Africa, you go to the Caribbean people will be looking at you like, you don't listen to Burner Boy. You don't know who this is. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, people look at it like that, where it's like, people go to the U.S. because they want to make the money. They want the deals. They want the bread. Like, there's organized ways for you to make consistent bread. But if you want the fame, you want the consistent, like, you want the consistent fan base and grow your fan base, you're going to have to move to the outside. And I think, like, like we said the other day, like, we got to start with, like, the U.K., honestly, because the U.K. is on the up and up. Because the person I use all the time is is Russ, bro. Russ is a pr- a prime example of. Because remember that whole time when people with the whole the whole um hashtag like people like hating Russ. There was no reason, rhyme or reason, 
just came out, people were like, Russ Music's trash. And then when you start to watch his interviews, he starts to put up his numbers and stuff like that. His consumer base outside the United States is ridiculous. Go on yeah. a couple world tours, bro. And this is like, and he sells out every venue, bro. Sells out every, and I'm talking hard tickets where he has nothing. He said, I, do, I don't do openers, bro. He said, it's just me. I sell tickets out. And his, and his bread just keeps rising. But to your point of, yeah, the consumer base is, is, is substantial in the United States, of course. If you want to become that global um, um, mainstream superstar where you're prominent and everybody knows your name and that, and that, and that more of that ad revenue is coming in, those brand partnerships come Obviously, when it comes to the United States, that takes you to the, it takes your brand to the next level. But I'm talking about just being a profitable musician. You can live off of your music, bro. It's like, why not find the, why, why not target consumer braces in a variety of different places and grow those audiences where you're loved at? And then you go do your shows, you perform, you know you have a loyal fan base, they're going to buy stuff when you drop it, and then use that as leverage to, to, to expand your brand in the United States. Kind of how Burner, in a sense, Burner Boy, that's kind of what he's doing now. He, he, has his whole, he has his whole conglomerate, his whole loyal following in Africa. So when he comes over here and look, look at all these people that are behind me that buy, listen to what I'm doing. So now when it's time for him to do deals in the United States with other brands, be part it, he has leverage. Like, bro, I'm bringing lots of leverage. I'm bringing you a whole different demographic of, of people that may not be tuned into the products you're putting on. But if you collab with me, partner with me, you're, I'm bringing all this with it. He yeah, says it all. Bring, he says bring confidence with you. Exactly. He says it all the time, and it's funny, but I respect him for it. He's like, at the end of the day, I do what I want. And I have a lot of money in my bank account. And the thing is, with most music, with, with most deals that I make, if I don't really agree with you and I really don't want to do this anymore, I really will just write you a check for your money back and go do my own thing. And that's when I respect him because it's just like, he's like, this is what I do. You know what I mean? Like, I, he literally, like, obviously because of COVID, like COVID aside, he makes music for X amount of months in the studio and then he'll just tour for the whole year. And then even in between that, he's working on albums. So it's not even just like he's just chilling. He literally tours in between music, tours in between all that stuff. And he's always making moves. And that's why it's like, with the, that's why it's like, when I, when I vouch for him a lot, it's not even because of the fact of like, because I'm Nigerian. I mean, yeah, he makes Nigerian music or whatever. He makes African music, but it's like, it's more so about the fact of like, how he moves and how he works. He moves to the beat of his own drum because he knows what he's bringing. It's the same thing with Wizkid and all of them. And I think I think um, he had a, he had an interview I think with the editor. His name's like Lawrence Bernie or something like that. I forget. I think mm-hmm. it was on the Fader. Not, yeah. not no, it might have been the Fader, but it might have been, I'm not, I can't remember the, the publication. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But he was like, they asked him, "Are you kind of trying to introduce? Um, are you trying to bring? I think he said, are you trying to bring Africa to?" The United States world, like our world, like the new the the reporters are you trying to bring at the Africa like African um Africa to our world? But he's like, nah, I'm trying to bring the United States to our world, if that makes sense. Like yeah, it makes said, perfect sense. In terms of like it's like nah, basically saying, bro, necessarily I don't really need this. I'm introducing you guys to what we have going over here. So you can see what's really going on. And it was like that was the whole that was during that whole time of like Africa. What's called Africa diaspora, whatever it's called, diaspora, yeah, uh, yeah, and, 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 and combining like the black people in the states, the black people to the motherland, that type of thing. That's how that whole conversation went, and I was just like, hmm. When he said that, I'm like, all right, dude, really has leverage when he's talking like that. You feel me? Basically, yeah, he saying, knows, I don't need the states like that. He knows what he's doing. That's why I respect him the most. But I think, like, yeah. Other than that, it's just and it's hard to be able to stand on your own two feet like he does in the in the music industry, especially. That's the fact. 
that's extremely hard to be able to go to somebody and say, I write you a check and give you back your bread. Not everybody can move like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody can move like that. So, so jump into your, um, your interview with like, the music you can listen to and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> Honestly, most of my music consists of UK music. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Any, any Dutch on there? You know what's funny? Dutch is not on here. My main artist that I listened to was Hetty One. You love Hetty One. Hetty yeah. One. I like Hetty too. Hetty, Hetty, that's a different episode, but Hetty One. <laughs> actually, my, my last spicy take for this episode is Hetty One is the Chief Keef of the UK, but we're not going to go there. But Hetty One. You got Jay Huss, which I think had the best album of 2020. His album was like that, bro. His, His album. album was like that. He had Jay Huss, Burner Boy, obviously, Drake, Meek, Uzi, Wizkid, Future, Stormzy, Skepta, Millions, AJ Tracy, and Dave. Those are top artists I listen to all year. Um, albums, um, Hetty One's Edna album, um, The Big Conspiracy by Jay Huss, um, and then Music and Road by Hetty One, African Giant, and then twice as tall, <laughs> and then dark dark lane demo tapes, um, common sense, made in Lagos, uh, eternal Atake, and then heaviest ahead by Stormzy. That's my top ten albums. And then my my top ten songs I'll do is only one only you freestyle Heady One and Drake fight for your right J Hus rules gold Heady One all day Heady One this is disgusting helicopter by J Hus rain uh, featuring Take Heath. Um, H and AJ Tracy, Fisherman by J Hus, Billions by Millions, um, and I guess yeah, that's just about it. Some songs that I think y'all should listen to. Millions is gonna have a big year next year in terms of like the UK music scene. Watch out for him because he's gonna drop a project next year. And I think, don't quote me on this, he may or may not be on Drake's project, or he may or may not have a Drake feature, or he's in the studio with Drake. I just know Drake love them UK boys, bro. He love them UK guys. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this right now. You're talking about artists that are going to be known by 2022, I guess you could say. Like, 2021 is going to be a big year for them. I'm saying this right now. 15 after who we had on. Oh, yeah, nah. He's dope. 15 after, I'm telling you right now. By 2022, <laughs> document this. By 2022, he's going to be a house. He's going to be a name that's buzzing. And then by 2023, he's going to be. One of them boys. That's all I'm gonna say. He's gonna be one of them nah, boys he's dope. in the in music industry. And, we hope so. Yeah. And then on top of that, CBM has some shit coming out. He's gonna be another person in the area that people are gonna be talking about. So we I'm just putting this on here for documentation purposes. It's just so we can revisit this a year from now. We're gonna be we're gonna come back to this episode. I'm gonna be like, same way I did with St. John. I'm telling you. Twenty seventh of December, two thousand and twenty. I mean, we, we, we know this. We, <laughs> Mills, we know. It's not necessarily for y'all. It's for the people that are that listen, that ever come across yeah. this. They come across. I'm just saying it on the pod. Yeah, we know. We know what's in the tuck. <laughs> we know. We know how. We know how we moving with them. So it's. We just know it's going to be a good year. New Jersey is going. Yeah. Is going to be on the map next year. I'll also. Go. You know, as far as the next step of the pod in 2021. Oh yeah, yeah, not facts. The pie about to be the pie about to take strides too. So, I mean, that's all I got for for this episode. Y'all got anything else? Don't do drugs. Uh, what you got, Sam? Nah, I know you're I'm Sam, not. Hold up! What you got? Hold up! Well, 
This is my dog, by the way. He's been kind of hanging around the whole show. He's been coming over there. Get out. What's up, Leo? This is a little, little Leo. What's up, Leo? Hey, I know Shannon always got the last minute takes. What's up? Um, I just want to get y'all thoughts on a, on a, on a playoff, college football playoff. Oh, okay. Real okay, quick. Okay, okay. Real quick. Notre Dame um, be in there. My 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 four teams were uh, in order: Bama, Clemson, High State, A all right, I disagree. My four teams were Bama, Clemson. I wanted Cincy in there. But why? And then and then if if we're just going off a of conference championships, I'll give Ohio State that. I'll give Ohio State another slot. What do you mean? Why? You put you put Cincy in over A and M? Yeah, because AM, the reason they're I put, undefeated. No, no, no. The reason I put Cincy over AM, I looked, I did the research on it. I did the research mm-hmm. on AM's schedule. They only have one win. I mean, they only have one win over a team with a winning record. Every other mm-hmm. win came against losing record teams, which holds no weight to me. People talk about strength of schedule. People talk about this, talk about that. But if you only beat one team with a winning record, who have you really played? And people talk amp up the SEC about all this stuff. They're, they're this prominent conference. But you have teams in there with, with, with losing records. So it's like A&M, mm, and the only th- and the one time, your one loss was by like 30 points. Bama. With a winning record. So – I don't think they should be in there. What's and your Cincinnati argument? Is it, is it because they have three wins over ranked opponents? Ranked opponents, and they dominated but, the conference. But let me ask you, how, what, how, how much weight do you put on their conference versus the SEC? Versus the SEC? I mean, it depends on it depends on what the records are that year, how, how the teams can – I mean, this year is kind of hard since they had no out-of-conference games because mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of usually how they gauge it, all right? So they play out-of-conference, who they play out-of-conference, how they win, how they fare against teams that weren't in the conference, whatever it may be. So you can't really, like, gauge it that way this year. So this year you basically have to base it on the teams they beat in the conference, what the records were, and, and base it off of there. So if you look, if you go by conference, because that's all we can base it on, A&M's schedule doesn't line up against uh, Cincinnati's schedule. And you can't act like the American Conference isn't a solid conference because it is. They have, it they is. Have, they have at least four or five teams every year that are in the top twenty-five. Yeah, they have good teams. So, so, and and, and I tell people all the time, it's hard as hell to go undefeated in any sport, especially football. It's very mm-hmm, hard yeah. to go undefeated throughout the year. You feel me? So when you do that, that's your whole weight. And, what about? And, uh, do you have an argument for Coastal? I don't have an argument for Coastal. I don't. They just lost so, last night to Liberty. Yeah, so my thing is when it comes to, I may sound kind of contradictory, but um, how how many teams in the top twenty-five does the Sun Belt have? Uh, I think One, just Liberty, two. two. At one point, but they lost. Liberty was ranked. Uh, University of Louisiana was ranked at one time too. And the only argument I could possibly have for them is they're winning against BYU. But I mean, at the end of the day, what else do they have to to, to amp up? Yeah. Put, put, pump up the resume. That's how I'm saying. I think for this year they should have definitely expanded the playoffs with all the circumstances that were happening. Uh, there was like four conferences that didn't even that had canceled their seasons. They should have expanded the playoffs, but I think that'll be coming in the future. I just wanted to hear what you had to say about it. No, definitely. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, this should have been an experimental year, kind of how like the NBA did the bubble and all that stuff. I think I mentioned that before. Like they should at least test it out, like expand to eight teams, see how see how it did, and see how see how the format could have worked. And in with the COVID, with the COVID circumstance, they could even test trial since there was less games in the regular season. Test trial how like D one D I mean D one double A D two do with their playoffs, but. That's we can go into that a whole because we could mm-hmm. talk about that forever. So, but that's just my thoughts. Who do you think? Who do you think is going to win the national championship? And we'll close out. Bama. I've got Clemson. Mm, I'm Clemson. I'm, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Bama just for the simple fact. 
Yeah, I'm gonna just take. I'm gonna take I don't think anybody has a personality that they have personally. That's just me. Yep. But that's all, man. This is the last episode of the new year. We got two more coming to you at the top of the new year, um, for the season. Um, episode forty-eight of the Faces of the Future Pod. It's your boy Mills. It's your boy Shan. It's your boy Mr. Moose. We out. Peace. Peace.